guys are amazing and um, super inspirational. Uh, we actually haven't talked loads, but I, I just I love how Jesus works because when you're born again of the Spirit, sometimes you don't need to say a thousand words. Um, we, there was four of us praying this morning, and it felt like we'd been praying together for a year um, at least. Um, and I just love what Jesus does. And that's really been the testimony of what's been going on with Live Village and Shofar. And so we, we really do trust that he's going to continue to lead and guide the, the relationship. Um, and so it's very, very special to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, maybe, depending on what I share, I might be allowed back. <laughs> we'll see. Um, I'm definitely not the CEO. If I was the CEO, the organization would have fallen apart. That's what my wife is for and other gifts. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I play a, a part in the, in the pastoral um, running of the village, which is, yeah, uh, it's, it's, my, it's, my, uh, it's my river, it's my flow, uh, which I love. And so it's such a privilege to be with you this morning. I just want to ask, I, I really hate it when people sit far away. Um, and because I'm not with you every week, I can ask you, please move forward. And, and even if you are offended with me, it'll be a year or so before I come back. So please, could we move forward? Is that all right? Otherwise, uh, it runs the risk of me coming to you. And just while you are moving forward, just please consider if any of you have any physical pain in your body, please would you just raise your hand as you're moving forward. Um, if you've got any physical pains, you've, you've been uh, injured in any way, shape or form, um, please, do, there's, please do wave or stick up a hand if you, if you have, because I really just felt like God said the first thing that we must do is we must just pray. I want to pray for people's physical healing. Okay, wonderful. Um, so if those of you who are around, uh, just quickly, uh, if you're able to, just lay hands on. Um, can I just quickly see, how many people are we praying for? One, two, three. Okay. Wow. Okay, wonderful. Make sure that you know where somebody is. Um, if it helps you to close your eyes while you pray, then do so. Um, Father God, we thank you. Um, that healing is our portion. We thank you that by the stripes of Jesus, God, we are healed. We are healed. And so, Father, we just want to receive in love as your children everything that you have given to us, spirit, soul, and body, full redemption, new life and strength. So we just, we just speak over each body now. Father, you know the details. You know every ailment. You know every pain. You know where everything comes from. And we just speak over each body now and we say, be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. We declare the peace of heaven, the peace of God over your bodies, wholeness, completion, and healing. And we declare that you lack nothing in Jesus' name. And God, we thank you just for testimonies of pain leaving. We speak to pain and we say, leave now in Jesus' name. Be gone. And we just thank you, God, that we can just walk fully aligned to the will of the Father. We thank you that we can, we can call our bodies into alignment with your will, your good, your pleasing, and your perfect will. So Holy Spirit, it's not by our might, it's not by our power, it's by you. And so we say, Holy Spirit, would you move, even while we continue to share this morning, would you move in power and grace? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You see, we're all one. We're all one. I love it. Okay. So, um, I might not share lots of things that you haven't heard before. Um, but I, I want to just tell you something. Uh, yesterday, um, I was, uh, we're staying in the um, Franchuk uh, old headquarters of Shofar, and yesterday, I walked into the bathroom, and I knew I needed something, and, and, and I was looking towards the shower, and I was looking towards the toilet, and I was looking towards the sink, and I was, you, you know when you, you need the toilet, and, and you're doing the run, like you're doing the, the, the stationary run, so I'm, I'm looking at the shower, and I'm wondering, what, why am I not processing what I need to do? The thing that I needed was right in front of me, but I'd forgotten that that was a thing that I needed, and so I was looking to other things, kind of getting distracted, and I was like, the toilet's there. I need the toilet. I must move, and so I moved, and then everything was fine, and I think, <laughs> I wondered why God was showing me that yesterday, and, I, and I, I just felt like a little in my spirit, just, you're going to have to share that tomorrow, and I was like, why? Because, because here's the thing. 
sometimes the thing that is most obvious to us, we don't actually see anymore. The thing that is most obvious that we need in a moment is the thing that we actually, we, we get distracted and we look for other things because we're worrying about what's going on. Like, oh, is it going to come out? Is it going to stay in? And then I'm like, and I'm panicking about something here and right in front of me is the very thing that I need. Amen? So um, I just wanted to start off this morning um, on the slides. Uh, DB was very kind and did me some slides. Um, I would love us to say this together. Is that all right? Um, it's a prayer that I've been praying for a long time. Um, and at least it aligns us to the full will of Jesus in the time that we have together. So um, can we read it together out loud? Is that right? Can I ask you to stand? Is that right? Do I have to count us in? How, how, how is it? No, I'm joking. Okay. So... Let's say it together. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. So powerful. You can take a seat. So powerful when we agree with Scripture. Um. And uh, later on in that, in that scripture, it actually talks about show us signs of your goodness. Um, and I just, I'm really trusting for signs of his goodness this morning as we've, as we've declared Psalm 86 over ourselves. Um, I, I, I do want to share a little bit of my story um, and um, not genuinely not to point at me. I would be scared if it pointed to me, um, but trusting that it's going to reveal some of the goodness and the faithfulness of Jesus, uh, and that would be offered to you. Um, not this, this morning is not about me just giving you a whole bunch of information. It's about the transference of, of substance, which only happens in the kingdom. We've got a lot of information that we've been given, a lot of information that we, we retain. I mean, that's kind of our life, right, is we work on information, not necessarily on substance. And that's why I love being here with you guys, because there's a substance and there's a, there's a um, yeah, there's a, there's a currency which is working amongst us. And so I, I may share one thing and you get stuck on that for the rest of the Thank God. Just, just be true and be faithful to what he's doing in you because this is not about how much information I can give. As, as we've been singing songs and things have been shared, I'm like, oh, there's so much to say. But there's so much here to actually give. And it's not necessarily about how many words we get through. It's about what is able to happen in the spirit this morning. Amen. So, um, yeah, I am from Liverpool. Thank you very much. Um, I grew up in Liverpool, amazing parents, uh, two wonderful sisters. I was the youngest, so everything was done for me. Um, so I was quite lazy, actually, to be very honest. Um, loved football, loved Liverpool Football Club. It was my dream to play for Liverpool. Um, grew up in the church. And um, when I got to around 12, 13, 14, um, really just decided, no, <laughs> don't, don't want that. Um, don't really see, I'd, you see, I'd lived on the, on the faith and the values of, of other people. I had a, my own specific, like very unique experiences with God when I was six and seven years old. He spoke to me very clearly to that day. Uh, from that day, I can still to this day know exactly what he said, exactly what he showed me. So I knew God was there, but I just had no, I had no desire to follow. Um, and so when, um, when all of the different temptations and invitations of life came, um, I chose to take those paths instead. Um, and, and I would say, very selfish, um, very, I had no compassion. Um, and to the extent where, I don't know if you, you know of this thing in, uh, in the Western world called children in need. Is children, no, okay. So children in need is like a worldwide uh, drive that actually what happens is they do one evening, they get comedians on the TV, they get um, all these different celebrities to go travel to different places um, and to show you the videos and the pictures of how people live. And they basically use it as a big drive to get people to donate as much money as they can and then they channel the money in to be able to make a difference. I mean, it's, it's beautiful in heart. Um, and 
I think in the early years of my life, I had great value for that. And as time went on, I don't know if you can relate to the same kind of uh, selfishness, but I just started to become really numb to it. You know, kind of like if we were to drive uh, out of Cape Town City now, how we might look around the communities and just think, oh, that's that. You know, there's a, there's a numbness. Uh, we, we forget where, where something is and what's really important, the thing that we should be paying attention to. And, um, and I would say that was me. Um, I definitely had no value for, for um, contributing money. I had no value for, for thinking, um, wow, what a, what a horrible situation somebody else finds themselves in. It's kind of like, well, it doesn't really affect me, so I'm just going to carry on. Um, and so, when I was around 21, uh, there's a whole story that would take a, a day to explain, but when I was around 21, I decided I was going to return to the church. Um, it was the only place that I thought, I, it was my only frame of reference that I had at that time, but it was my, my only way of really understanding, hey, um, this is somewhere where I can become the real me. That was, that was how I understood it. And so, returned, and um, I used to try, you know when tea and coffee comes, I'll be watching to see if any of you are like me. When tea and coffee comes at the end, I would run out the back, because uh, I didn't really want the social part. I just wanted Jesus to fix my life, please. Um, but I don't really want to have to do it with everybody else in sight. Um, and so I'd go one Sunday, run out the back. Next Sunday, run out the back. Following Sunday, run out the back. And then, it must have been five or six weeks uh, and I was sat at the back, and um, a small man, like literally this big, he's literally this big, um, he came and sat in front of me, and uh, at the end of the gathering, before I could get up and run away, he turned around, and he was like, you, and I was like, oh no, um, and he said, what's your name? I said, my name's Jonathan, he said, it's wonderful to meet you, Jonathan, uh, my name is Paul, and uh, he said, I've seen, you've been here over the last few weeks, but I've also noticed that you you know, you leave quite quickly. But he said, I want, I want to know you. I want, to, I, want, I want us to meet up. I want to have a coffee with you. I want to hear your story. And I thought, oh, Christian weirdo. Like, this is, I had no frame of reference for this is fellowship. This is love. This is service. I had no framework for it. I just didn't have a value for it. I just thought, let me have one coffee and then I'll run away from him too. He's still my mentor today. Um, he got hold of me, gave me opportunities to serve, and loved me, um, served me, um, and I honor him today because he's a, whatever he's sown, whatever he's watered, God can make it grow. God is the one who makes things grow for sure, um, but um, that's the power of relationship right there, and when I started to walk with Paul, he was always pointing me towards Jesus. And so one of the things that I did was I joined a life group. Uh, and in the life group was a, was, a, was a girl there, and she loved South Africa. She'd been going to South Africa every year, helping out in uh, orphanages and babies' homes in Johannesburg. So the life group leaders, heard, uh, they knew her well, and they said, oh, you love South Africa. And they'd, they'd heard there was a guy who'd just returned from South Africa. His name was Richard Nickel. Am I in the wrong place? Oh, sorry, I'll, I'll, okay, <laughs> okay, so Richard had just been traveling with Angus Buchan and he'd, turn, he'd returned to, uh, to Worcester where I was living at the time and he was invited to come and share at our life group. Now remember, selfish, insular, hardened heart, all of that stuff, even though I was, you know, I was, I was getting stuck in a little bit uh, and growing, um, he came and shared the vision of Live Village. He'd met Titch and Joan Smith, who are our founders. And um, something in me just went, Koo! and I was like, hey, that's something new. Uh, and so I met him for a coffee a couple of weeks later and said to him, I would love to go visit. And he said, for sure. Uh, why don't you email Titch and Joan, who are the founders, and then see where we, where we get to from there. So I emailed them. They said, great, come, please. So I, I arranged, I was working in a school at a time. Um, and so I arranged for a five-day, I wouldn't call it a mission trip. I was really scouting just to see what was going on and just, you know, this, this amazing vision. And I turned up and it was nothing like I expected because there was only uh, around 15 children, five houses. Um, but I, on the first day and on the third day, I had two very significant experiences with the Holy Spirit. 
And so I kind of knew, okay, there's something much deeper going on. So I returned to England after the five days, spent time with Jesus, and he, and he basically just said, you've got a green light, now go for it. So I applied for a one-year visa um, and got the one-year visa. So I went for a year and then committed indefinitely to live, uh, and that was from September 2012. So I've been, I've been uh, in Durban since September 2012. Um, I know Shofar likes to do missions. I'm on an eight-year mission. It's amazing. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of the story. And I don't know if we can show the live documentary now. I think that might be a good time to show it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we'll, we, may, we may tear up. Wonderful. Um, yeah, so let's watch the documentary, and then I'll, I'll take on again. Yeah. So we'll see you there. Amen? Just turn around and make sure you see whose hands are up just so we can get the names down. But seriously, you're so welcome to come and join us. And um, it's a beautiful thing which God is doing. Uh, I think what we've realized over the last couple of years is that, yes, uh, live as a home for vulnerable and orphan children, but it's a ministry. It's a ministry unto the Lord and it's a ministry unto the neighbor, whoever the next neighbor is. And so we actually don't see ourselves as the as the the begging hands and saying please can you come and can you give to us we've actually realized that there's a spiritual inheritance on the village that that gives unto you and so we we that's why we we really like people to come it's not just so we can say oh come build us a jungle gym but if you build us a jungle gym amazing but it's actually because there's something of the father heart of god the spirit of adoption that's just physically resting on it um on the on the place and that's my story, and I'm going to share a little bit with you um, some of the really ironic and just really naive things that I thought that I was going for, going to help, and realizing in the process it was me that was broken. Um, and so I, I, I love the village. I love the children. I love the mums. I love the staff. I am called to give my life to them. But I'm not, I'm not here to promote Live Village. I'm not here to, to try and muster up this, uh, the, you know, a really emotional response as why we should all go help the children. What I'm actually here today to do is to say that my life is to be given to the body for the maturing. And so my idea for today is to promote your following of Jesus wherever that may take you, whether it's a neighbor or a nation. I don't have a greater value for either. They are both the greater value. And so I want to be really clear about it from the start. This is about you following Jesus. This is not about us changing the nation by looking after all of the children because some of you may not be called to the children. And God bless you, it's fine. It's fine. They talk back. <laughs> so I want to promote your followership today. Is that okay? So let's turn to Matthew 4. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and followed him. I just want to point out a few things. Um, this is why I was so pleased when Heinrich was sharing about following Jesus. I was like, hey, there's something going on between live and shofar. I love it. Um, here's the thing. In the everyday, the mundane, the disciples are washing their nets. If you go read the rest of the scriptures, they're not the best fishermen in the world. They were probably highly frustrated. If you read about them as individuals, they were probably also highly frustrated with one another. And they were probably arguing about, you know, why they didn't have the catch or what was going on. And, and here they are, these, these men or these, these very young men who are doing what they do every single day, apart from Sabbath, but they're doing it every single day. They bring their boat in, they get their fish in, they're washing their nets. Who likes washing by hand? If you have to do it day by day after day with salty fish nets, the smell, the, the monotony of it, like just this constant, okay, it's just something that we have to do. 
Here's the thing that I love about Jesus, is that Jesus is walking by and the invitation is to come and follow whilst we are in the monotony of life, whilst we are in the daily rhythms of life that we think we count him out from because why would he want to walk alongside the beach to call me to follow? I'm just washing my nets, but that's when the mundane turns into the miraculous. When Jesus meets you where you are and you're doing whatever you're doing, whether it looks like it's the most attractive thing in the world and everyone says, wow, you have the best job, or whether it looks like changing another nappy, washing dishes, whatever your mundane moments are, the, thing, the first thing I want to encourage you to, 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 to just open yourselves up to, and I, and I pray this for myself too, I haven't arrived anywhere, the value's in the journey, amen? Um, so... Allow yourself to be open. One of the prayers that I pray is to keep my heart soft before you because I don't know if he comes and he says, come follow me, then my response will be, sure. You're in dishwashing. You're in net washing. And the call is always to follow. It's always to, to, to be with him, to be present with him. And, and that's what I really want to hit on today um, as, we, as we do talk. But uh, the first thing I just want us to, to just be really intentional about being open to, if Jesus came to our mundane moments, would we even recognize he'd arrived? Thank God that these men were able to respond. And what was their response? They left something. They left everything. And you must also know if they left their father, they left their identity. Their identity was, if you go look in scripture, when, when you see a father's name, or so-and-so, son of, they, get their, they derive their identity from who their father is. It tells you a lot about Jesus, hey. But the thing is here, they chose to leave their father. They chose to leave their identity behind. All is worth losing just to follow who seems like a strange man. And that's the beauty of following Jesus is that we give a feeble, if we're really honest, we give a feeble and weak yes, right? When we get saved, we give a feeble and weak yes. But the beautiful thing about the kingdom of God is that everything progressive and everything grows and matures. So, so does your yes. Your yes matures and your yes grows. It doesn't matter how small it starts with. It's just about being faithful to the process. My favorite scripture from Psalm 84 Verse 5, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Is it behind me? Hey, you beat me to it. Well done. So that's my favorite scripture, and that's really, the, that's really my life. And just, just going back to me coming to Live Village, I, I arrived, and um, I arrived on the village, and it was a beautiful place, and I was there to just go and help the children, do whatever I was there to do. Um, and, and I really loved it, but there was some parts of me that just really felt like I was going to get found out. Like, I, I don't actually know if I've got anything to give here. I mean, at that time, to be very honest, I'd only just started to read the Bible. 24 years old, just started to read the Word. And so I was just like, I'm going to get found out here. Like, if they ask me to preach, I've got nothing to give. And I turned up and told Titch that I wanted to lead the church. I mean, how ridiculous is that? <laughs> so he gave me the keys, and he said, you can open up and you can lock up. There you go. You know how many times I lost the keys? <laughs> you know, I'm never going to preach. I can't even keep the keys in my hands. I'm keeping an eye on where my keys are because I still lose keys. Um, but when, when I arrived, I came to an earthly situation where there was orphan and vulnerable children. When I stepped into the space, guess what? I realized that I was a vulnerable and orphan child in the spirit. I actually realized I didn't know God as a father. And that is actually why we have this joke on the village that we say like, yep, it says on the, says on the promotion that, you know, children come to know they have a father in heaven who loves them. The key is actually on the village that we all become the children. So it's all us about all of us going through our process and our relationship with Jesus so that we know the Father's heart. Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen him. And so when I, when I arrived, um, I, I definitely had a framework for ministry, but I didn't have a framework for sonship. And they are distinctly different. Because when you have a framework for sonship, it'll 100% affect the framework for ministry. But you can have a framework for ministry and no idea of who God is as a father. And I, I, I say this as a, more of a question than a statement, but maybe there are too many orphans in the church. 
Because it's about allowing Jesus to reveal Father's heart to us. But in love, and love is slow. Lust is fast, but love is slow. And so it allows him to take us on journey. It allows him to take us by the hand, to yoke with him and to walk with him so that we would know the good, pleasing, perfect will of God. Yes, but we would also know his heart towards us. Amen? And so as, as I arrived there, that was really what I was afraid of getting found out, like that I, I know how to pray for people. I, I mean, you know, been to charismatic prayer meetings where, where you can lay your hand on somebody, somebody falls over, or they, they must be, you know, they must be doing really well. I'm not saying I hadn't received the Holy Spirit. What I'm saying is I hadn't allowed the Spirit to reveal the Father's heart to me. But that's why he sent me to Live Village. Thank God. That's why he sent me. It wasn't just so that there was a transaction. Oh, well, if I send Jonathan there, then he's going to do this and that's going to turn out really well. It was a call unto himself. A call unto himself. And there's fruit that comes from that. There's fruit that comes from it. My goal was to come and bear fruit. His goal was to have me all to himself. I love it. It does, it does confront us with a question, though, this framework of ministry and framework of sonship. Um, I was confronted a little while ago where I um, had lots of stuff taken away from me that I think probably defined me a little bit too much. And the question that remained was, is Christ enough? Like, if you never had an opportunity to do ministry again for the rest of your life, would you be okay with that? Are you okay with just ministering to the Lord? I'm not saying that that's what he's saying. But I think it's a very worthwhile question to ask. If we didn't have a mission trip to look forward to, to build ourselves up to and strengthen ourselves up to and read the word more and prepare ourselves for, are we just preparing as the bride? It's provocative questions, but I think real followership questions. Um, We have so much about leadership uh, everyone's a leader. Uh, you must learn to, and, and I'm, I'm not against leadership. I, I mean, I hope I'm not, otherwise it would be a bit of an ironic thing to stand here and say with, my, with what I have to do on the village. I believe leadership is a gift to the body. I'm talking spiritually now. I'm not talking about the earthly kind of leadership. I'm talking about leadership is a gift to help people mature and progress in their formation of Christ within them. That's why, that's why leadership is there. But if we, if we find ourselves in, in places where what we do is more important than who we are in him and who he is in us. You know, we talk so much about my identity in Christ. What about his identity in you? It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me. And so our, our followership becomes complete dependence on, in, through him. That's the invitation. And that's why I love the progression because some of you, I don't know if you're aware of this in, in, uh, in the word son uh, and men, we, we like when we say, oh yeah, you know, it says sonship, but we're also a bride because when you're born again, it's no longer male, nor female, Jew, nor Gentile. Yeah. Cause we're born again of spirit. So when we're talking about sonship, there are seven different words used for a son. First one, Napios, where we get the word nappies, needs to be changed a lot. A lot of attention right there. All the way through, seven different words used for a son, according to maturity. And that's the beauty of the kingdom, guys. It's that we get taken from one place, and he just takes us by the hand at the pace that he wants us to be. And therefore, it takes all pressure and obligation to perform and be like everybody else and become the most spiritual person or to feel like when you get to do this, you've arrived somewhere. It's nonsense. It's not true. It's not true. It's to being comfortable in who you are and who you're not. Because that keeps us humble, and that's where we know we need the body. Amen? Okay, so, um, I, just, I just want to promote pure and simple devotion to Christ. Is that okay? Pure and simple devotion to Christ. Paul talked about that in 2 Corinthians. So, I really do think, you have to tell me how I'm doing for time, please. I get carried away. 
Oof. Come on. Including ministry. Okay, great. Okay, so as I was praying for you guys, I really do feel like there's a grace on, on this congregation to be both followers and fishermen. In other words, people who, who in, in good godly order choose to follow Jesus, but also use your gifts and your skills and your passions and your talents to go and fish for people, right? So in everything that I'm saying, I'm, I will never discount the two. I really believe that God has said that that is for you. And the thing is, I don't know about what your gifts and your skills and your anointings are, but he does. So contextualize everything through now, how his voice is speaking to you. Allow him through the spirit to minister to you, to help you understand now in your spirit, how you go and live this thing out. Okay, we've only got a little bit of time, but he'll continue to speak. Amen? Okay, so... Um, Just, I just want you to consider this. Jesus started his ministry when he was 30 years old, his public ministry. So that means for 30 years before that, he was completely okay in obscurity. How is it that Mary, when the wine ran out in the wedding at Cana, how is it that Mary knew that Jesus would be able to do what he did? Because he modeled living under the authority and the control of God as a father all the way through his life in private. I don't know whether that manifested in itself in a way that we would deem powerful, like eyes open. It doesn't say in scriptures. So we actually don't know. But before Jesus got to the parts that we would see as more powerful, Powerful for him was just learning to walk in the will of Father and being in his process so that the day when Father did say, okay, son, now you can go, he was absolutely ready because he knew he was completely responsive to Father's voice and he was walking in what Father was saying and doing. And I just want to encourage you, it's not a race. If you're, if you're not in that space, if he says to you, if he doesn't say to you to go and do something, it's not that you're failing, it's not that you're failing. If he does say to go and do something, then go and do it. Amen. It's not about, this is, oh, I love Mary and Martha. Okay? I love Mary and Martha. And the reason being is because we've, we've contextualized the story of Mary and Martha. Jesus goes into the house. He goes and visits. And you've got Mary who sat at his feet. And then you've got Martha who's busy in the kitchen. Now, we contextualize it and we create a value for, okay, no, you must be still at the feet of Jesus so that you can listen. You shouldn't be running around because then, but you know what that does? It starts to devalue those who have high capacity and actually are able to find Jesus in administrative tasks and being high functional people. So what we've actually communicated over the years is that, no, you have to sit and do nothing in order to please Jesus. If you're one of the people who's got lots of, ta anyone have your boxes and your ticks to do? It's my wife, by the way. Um, anyone, any of you, you like putting the boxes, the list of to do, and you like to tick it off, and you're like, there we go, I'm a productive person. I mean, how do you feel when somebody turned around and say, no, you just need to sit at the feet of Jesus? You're like, but, the, but that takes away from me everything that I'm geared to do. Because we've, we've contextualized and created a value system around inactivity or activity. And that's not the case at all. All Jesus was affirming was that Mary was present where he was. I'm pretty sure that if Jesus was in the kitchen, Mary would have been there too. Because it's not about activity or inactivity, being passive or being active. It's about being where Jesus is. How do we know that this is a beautiful thing? Now, you get Lazarus dies. Jesus comes to the town. Who goes out to meet him? Martha. She learned. I want to be where you are. When I hear you're coming, I'm going to go meet you there. Mary stayed in the house. But we've created a value system where we say, no, but, you know, those who wait on the Lord. And yeah, if you're called to wait on the Lord, then wait on the Lord. But if you find them in an office on a computer, then be there. Come on. We're going to have to create a different value system. It's not about how busy we are with them. It's about abiding in the vine. Amen. You, we, yeah, we just need to redeem this stuff, eh? We need to redeem this stuff because what we've actually, we've, we've communicated with a lot of the body of Christ that, mm, Good try, but it, it, it doesn't really work. It's not that. It's 
about being present where Jesus is. Be present where Jesus is for you. And that's why I won't promote live in a sense because it would be easy. I could tell you statistics and I could tell you stories that would make you feel like you should be there out of obligation. There's no obligation in the kingdom. It's conviction. Okay, so. Hmm. Jesus declares in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And then one of the disciples asks the question, have we got it? Yes, there we go. Thank you. Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Is that it? Okay, no, that's fine. Not a problem. You know, you know what the next line is? I love it. Here we go. Is it? Look at this. Philip said, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. I was praying a little while ago about what I should share at one of our conferences for the men. And I was reading through this scripture, and I was like, man, this is just the cry of the children. This is the cry of the children. If you show us who he he is, that is enough for us. But they don't know that. They need something tangible. They need a man. They need a woman. They need somebody to come alongside them. Obviously, there's a lot of obligation and invitation in that space for me to become him. Seat of Moses that Jesus talked about, Matthew 23. Was it Matthew 23 or 25? I'm not sure. Taking the seat of Moses, in other words, being the one who has to consult with God for somebody, becoming everything to the people so that they can understand who God is. That's not what happens when you're born again of the Spirit. But Jesus saying here, um, when they, sorry, Philip is saying here, show us the Father and that will be enough. And then obviously Jesus says, like, listen, when you've seen me, you've seen him. Because the grace is there to point, it's not there to become. Right? So even, even in my earthly parenting, the grace on me to parent my children is so that they would understand the heart of the Father through my life. Because Jesus said, in the landscape of eternity, you're all brothers. Right? He said, call no one father because you're all brothers. And what he's saying is, when you're born again into his kingdom, in the landscape of the kingdom, which is eternal, we are all brothers and sisters. So no one should take the place of the father. But the grace on fathers, the grace on mothers is to point towards who he is so that they would know his character and know his nature and then step aside and let them go. Jesus said, I am the way to the Father. He pointed, and then he got out the way. What did he do? Send Holy Spirit. Spirit of adoption, so that you'd know the Father's heart. You see how the pattern works in the kingdom? And so the, the, the grace is there for, for the pointing towards who he is, so that the inclination doesn't stop with a man or a woman who is broken and is going to hurt. So rather allow... and. And this is a beautiful thing for, for, for me at, at the village. Um, and this is, this is a, a, pretty, a pretty personal thing. Um, because as you heard in the documentary, the, the village is specifically, God said children come to know they have a father in heaven who loves them. In other words, he is present there. And we've got to do everything that we can, create the spaces and the times and the forums for them to be able to understand that as truth, right? I just want to share from the other side of the coin because that would motivate a lot of us, right? We think, wow, that's amazing. I want children to come to know they have a father in heaven who loves them, especially when they don't have an earthly dad, right? That would be a great motivation for each of us. But, um, and, and, and again, the reason being, and we can find so much scripture on this, hey, like, the God places, God places the lonely in families, right? He, he, he talks about whoever, yeah, Jesus says, bring them unto me. Whoever welcomes um, one of these welcomes me and the one who sent me, 
Jesus says these things. So, for example, when a new child comes onto the village, I say, guys, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna bring father back onto the village. Not that he left, but you understand what I'm saying. So when we welcome this child in the name of Jesus, we welcome the one who sent Jesus, which is the father. We re-welcome the anointing to come for that child so that they can be propelled towards understanding who father is. It's beautiful, right? So we have, we have all of these things going, but we, we can do this through principle or we can do it through presence. I'm not saying principle doesn't lead to presence, but presence is the goal, Right? Are we all together? You could come to Live Village out of principle, it would be good to help. My suggestion would be, if the Spirit leads you to, there's a good reason for you to come. And I'm going to explain to you why. Jesus talks about in Matthew 25. Have I got that on the, on the screen? When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates a sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you look after me. I was in prison and you came to visit. Jesus houses himself in people. That's why I'm on the village. Because when I go and sit with that child, I find Jesus. Because he houses himself there for me. Now, it might not be an orphan or a vulnerable child for you. For you, it might be in corporate. Jesus may house himself in somebody in corporate for your good. So that you can meet him. So that you can love him. That you can... You can shower him with your devotion, being present with him, because he's not going to lead you somewhere. If he says, come and follow me, he's not going to lead you somewhere that he is not. He's not a deceiver. He is truth. So I, I, said, to, I said to the mums and the children, the other day, that, I mean, it could sound a little bit flippant. I hope it doesn't. But I said, the reason why I'm on the village is because when I spend time with you, I spend time with Jesus. And that's the question that you've got to ask yourself. Where has he invited me to find him? Now, Jesus is very clear. We would say if you contextualize who this people group is, it's people who are in need, right? But what I don't want you to read too far into this is that it doesn't stop there, okay? It doesn't stop there. It doesn't limit where you will find him. Hopefully, this is actually liberating you a little bit. Has anyone ever felt bad that you thought, oh, maybe I'm a bit more called to corporate or to doing those things, and I haven't had that heart? I, 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 I give this to you, and I hope, again, that it doesn't sound in any way, shape, or form harsh, but I'm not sure my heart has ever been broken for orphan children. I, I, mean, I love them, but... I'm not, I'm not going to stand here and weep a lot of the time. I might do, but uh, most of the time I wouldn't stand here and weep. But if I did, then you may say, oh, but look how moved he is towards the children. Listen, I will lay down my life for those children. I've been through enough in the last eight years to prove so. But what I've discovered is that as I went to go and serve them, I wondered why I carried on being drawn to the most broken and to the ones who are going to get sent away is because when I went and sat with them and built relationship with them and I walked away even though knowing that they may leave the village because of choices that they've made I've been sat with Jesus and hopefully hopefully they would be able to say something similar because there was a currency of relationship and love that was flowing they may not even know Jesus. But I hope that this frees you up enough in your heart to understand that he may call you to some places that seem really obvious. And he may not call you to things that seem obvious ministry-wise. 
But it's really important that we all understand this because I could say the only thing we should give ourselves to for the rest of our lives is looking after children. And there could be good reason for saying that. But what if his invitation to you is not to find him there? What if his invitation is for you to find him with homeless people on the streets of Cape Town? Or a CEO in an office who's just as broken as an orphan child who has no parents, by the way. (laughs) I mean, if you think about we all realize how broken we are, (laughs) how much more? So that is also part of what it is. It's that what's holy for me might not be holy for you. What's holy for you might not be holy for me. But I can agree with it because, hey, here's the thing. I need you to do what he's called you to do, and you need me to do what he's called me to do. And if we all do that, then surely he takes the glory, right? And the body of Christ will be built up. So it's a, it's a, it's an invitation to find him. But I also just want to give you a warning. (laughs) As I sit with the orphan child, I realize the orphanhood in my life. As I as I sit with the child who's Uh, been through abuse and they're so broken because of their abuse I sit there and realize the choices that I've made and the ways that I've abused myself and and it becomes a mirror that's the part that's less fancy to be honest find Jesus but here's the other thing is that he'll he'll allow it to be a mirror for you because it's with the it's with the broken that I find my brokenness It's with the dirty that I find that I'm dirty right it's with the spirit people that I realize that I'm born of the spirit. So it's like you can't now, because it feels a little bit worse than this, the seemingly more spiritual things. We can't now say that we'll throw one away. But just to encourage you guys, be where he's asked you to be. And don't feel pressure or obligation to go and be somebody else or do something else. Because then you'll actually take away the opportunity for somebody who is actually calling. And, and there'll be a you-sized hole wherever he was supposed to be meeting you. Don't be late for Jesus. <laughs> and I'm going to end off with this scripture and then just would love us to pray. The reason why this is so important, and you can read it in Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. God placed, this is, he's talking about Jesus. God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head. Everyone say Head. Head over everything for the church. For the church. Jesus is head over everything for us. That's good news. Which is his body. Listen to this. This is, what, this, is, this is me and you. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. We need it everywhere. We need it everywhere. It's, it's Live Village is a beautiful, uh, it's a beautiful um, tool of ministry. It's a beautiful uh, place where ministry unto the Lord happens, and, but it's, it's not the only place. Thank God. There are hundreds and thousands and millions of people. They may not be in the shape of an organization. It, it might be finding the one person who he just said, you know, the, the, the person who sat under the tree and you're able to say, no, I saw you when you were sat under the tree in one, two, and three. Ah, oh, life changed. Sometimes God will use you in a vehicle of a ministry, and other, other times your ministry unto him will look like just something a little bit, you know, ad hoc or like a little less formalized. I would say in, in honor, you want to bring that to the attention of the leadership and just this is what God's leading me to do, you know. Would you pray for me? Would you, you know, it's, it's about doing it together. It's not an excuse to say, well, I just, I won't be a part of an organization. I want to do things by myself. But we do things together and in oneness because we're supposed to be the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. That for me is the most exciting thing. The fullness of him filling everything in every way. So in other words, everyone's needed. <laughs> but I do want to say, If it's a time of preparation, be blessed to rest. If it's a time of going, be blessed to go. Because all of Jesus' commands, whether it's uh, come follow, whether it's stay, or whether it's wait, whether it's go, it all comes under the umbrella of abide. 
There's no greater value than abiding in Christ. That might look active and movement. It might look still and passive. Just abide. Abide in the vine. Because outside of that, we can bear no fruit. Should we stand together? Don't wait for me. Minister to him. (laughs) If it helps you to close your eyes, feel very free. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for the invitation to follow. For the invitation to follow. You won't force us. You won't force us. There are some of you, as as I've been sharing today, he started to put something new on your heart. Would you just raise your hand where you are? There's something new on your heart. Wonderful, wonderful. And those around, please just lay hands on if you you can see. Father, we just want to bless your voice and your lordship uh, in, in our brothers' and sisters' lives. And Father, we thank you that your spirit is ministering, your spirit is speaking to them. And the invitation is to come and follow. We just pray for a boldness uh, and we pray um, for a clarity of what it is that you're doing so that they may join in. And we praise you, God. We praise you. We thank you that you're speaking to your children because that's what you do. It's your capacity to speak, not our ability to listen. So we thank you for downloads. We thank you for downloads in brothers and sisters. We bless them to follow. Some of you, it's, it's a reaffirmation of, of what you know you're called to. But there's like, there's a staring in you again. Please raise your hands. Hallelujah. Father, we bless our brothers and sisters in the name of Jesus. We bless them to follow wherever they may find you. God, we thank you that you will continue to fan into flame the passion that you've placed within each of them. And we just ask God in, in humility, we ask for more. We ask for more, not by might, not by power, but, but by your spirit, by your spirit. Stare, stare hearts again. You say in the scriptures that you will make your servants flames of fire. I pray that you would make them flames of fire in Jesus' name. Thank you for the fire to fall. Thank you, King. Thank you, King. You're so kind. You're so kind to show us where we'll find you. Thank you, King. We bless.